0: Welcome to another episode of sig daddy's wrestling show i'm your host sig daddy and it's one of two retro pay-per-view reviews for the weekend this one being ecw heat wave 2000 the next one will be wcw bash at the beach 2000 but this is ecw heat wave 2000 i'm going to give you my thoughts on this retro pay-per-view from 20 years ago it took place july 16th 2000 at grand olympic auditorium in los angeles california 5700 in attendance joey styles mentioned this is ecw's debut in la we start out with blue meanie calling himself the blue boy uh with a bikini clad woman this is like the intro to the pay-per-view uh he's insulting some ripped guy on the beach then jasmine st Clair low blows him And then the sinister minister calls L.A. the Devil's Playground, and he introduces us to the pay-per-view and hypes it up, including the Stairway to Hell match. And then Mikey Whipwreck is shown buried in the sand, laughing with the sinister minister. It was weird. Quite, quite weird. But, oh well, it's ECW. The crowd was hot once they uh, went to the arena well the auditorium in LA good showing 5700 in attendance that's a pretty good that's a pretty good turnout for ECW Joey Styles and Joel Gertner are in the ring Styles says this is ECW's debut in LA and and then Gertner goes on with his usual dirty rhyme and the crowd absolutely loves it uh Don Callis shows up aka the network the man who had super crazy deported and who took the belt from Tajiri and handed it to Rhino, and they're going to use their advertising budget to promote Roller Dam. I think that's what he said. I don't know. Uh, he's also the guy that stripped RVD of the World Television title after he broke his leg. Uh, Joel says he forgot one thing. Looking through the glory hole when George Michaels George Michael was spanking it, that was nasty. That was one nasty reference. He also canceled ECW on TNN. And the only reason Gertner is here is he delivers the fat, uh, very derogatory term, demographic. And then him and Gertner go back and forth with insults. Don calls Joel a gutless POS. Gertner is going to leave because he's tired of Don's crap. Gertner jumps Don from behind. and Then security has to separate them and escort Gertner out of the building. And then we have... Our first match of the night. It's Sal E. Graziano, build at six foot eight, six hundred pounds, with Tony Mamaluke ringside. He's taking on Balls Mahoney, and really, this is complete and utter domination by Sal, Sal Graziano. I'll just give you the the pretty much the whole entire match. Sal shows up and shoves officials and security out of the ring. He gives a belly to belly to an official. Balls Mahoney shows up, then takes out who takes out Mamaluke. Graziano spits at him. Balls turns his back. Hammers the back of Balls, who had a chair in his hand. Balls ducks the clotheslines, jabs and punches from him. Uh, kick in the nuts. Chair shot to the head that doesn't do anything to Sal. Then uh, Sal goozles him and hits him a choke slam. Then Sal looks to go to the top rope. Officials say no. Sal elbows Balls in the nuts. And then belly to belly from Sal ends it in a minute 39. If this is, this is one way to turn your fans off of a pay-per-view, I'll say this. That was one of the worst ways I've ever seen a pay-per-view start. Like, worst ever. You don't come out with this as your opener. That was absolutely terrible. And Balls pretty much had no offense during this. It was just Sal looking dominant. But really, this is not the way you start out a pay-per-view. And it's not a way to get the crowd excited for the rest of the show. You're like, oh, man, let's go ECW HeatWave 2000. No, it was not. This was like, what the hell is this? But uh, I'm going to give it a D. Not a good way to start the show at all. Then we get RVD with Bill Alfonso to talk about the Van Terminator. He pretty much says he's going to kick Anton's ass, and he's going to hit him with the Van Terminator. He's out for revenge from the last pay-per-view where Anton turned on him, costing him his match against Jerry Lynn. And then we get a video of Bobby Eaton back at the ECW Arena on July 8th, taking out Johnny Swinger and Simon Diamond. C.W. Anderson and Eaton meet face-to-face to exchange fists before Swinger and Diamond try to grab him. They distract him long enough for Anderson to hit a superkick on beautiful Bobby Eaton, which leads into our six-man tag match. Kid Cash, Danny Doring, and Roadkill versus Simon Diamond. C.W. Anderson and Johnny Swinger in six-man tag team action. And really, this is a fun match. This is a pretty fun match. The crowd was hot, especially for Roadkill throughout this match. Kid Cash showed off his athleticism during this, too. And, I don't know, this was pretty entertaining stuff from these uh, six-man. Roadkill was over, like, Rover I, I can't believe how over he was with this L.A. crowd. It was nuts. Uh, he was supposed to be an, um, a take on a German Baptist Amish character. But man, this dude, was, how did he get this thing over is beyond me. But man, it, he was over here. Kid Cash hit some high-flying stuff to the outside. And also, Roadkill also did a dive to the outside. Him, Doring, and uh, Cash all hit dives on the outside. Late in the match... It's a side slam reverse DDT combo from Diamond and Swinger. They get the double team superplex on roadkill. Cash is there to break up the cover. Cash leapfrogs Diamond into an Anderson spinebuster. And then Roadkill is slightly late on the breakup. He actually dies off the top rope with a leg drop on leg drop onto Anderson. Swinger and Diamond go for a snapshot like finisher. Cash breaks it up with a low blow. And then double arm DDT by Doring on Diamond. And then Cash hits Swinger with a Tiger Driver 98, which is a double underhook uh, pile driver to finish things off at 11 minutes and 3 seconds. This was fun and a chaotic six man tag. And it really helped out that the crowd was super hot for this one. And I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed this quite a bit. Cash was awesome to watch. And Roadkill was incredibly athletic for being 300 plus pounds. I'm going to give this match a B. Then we get back. They cut backstage to Rhino. And he's talking about how he liked putting Sandman's wife in a hospital. He gets sick satisfaction out of it. And he he tells Sandman to bring everything you can. And it doesn't matter. This is his meaning of life. He's not giving it up. This was a dark promo from Rhino. Rhino was 25 at this point, which is absolutely nuts to think about. And then we get Jerry Lynn versus Steve Carino with Jack Victory in a singles match. Carino bleeds buckets once again. If you remember my ECW Hardcore Heaven pay-per-view review, you can go back and check that out in the archives. Sig Daddy Wrestle, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. But Steve Carino bled buckets in this match also like he did at ECW Hardcore Heaven against Tajiri, and really, this was a nice match. They had a nice little thing going throughout this match, but every time, it, like it, every time it was getting good, Jack Victory got involved and did something, and did something nefarious or whatever. I get the heel heat thing here, but there was interference the whole entire match, which took away from it. And here's the here's the later portions of the match. So Victory has the powder, Lynn kicks, knocks it into the official, and actually punches him in the face. Lynn hits a back suplex, goes for the cover, but the official is blinded and knocked out. Victory takes his boot off and hits him with it. Not Victory, but Carino. And then Lynn gets an O'Connor roll. Carino kicks out, kicks Lynn into a cowbell shot by Jack Victory. That's in reference to Carino's past, a feud with Dusty Rhodes, where he Got victories over the American Dream. Yes, Dusty Rhodes did appear in ECW. Lynn kicks out at two on that. They fight from their knees. Lynn goes for a pile driver. Carino reverses it. They trade roll ups. The crowd giving him standing O, and then Karina goes for the backslide Lynn counters and hits the cradle pile driver to give him the win at 15 minutes and 25 seconds. The finishing sequence of this match, I gotta say, it was pretty good. I it, That finishing sequence of the match was pretty entertaining, but I really could have done a, without a lot of the uh, interference late in this match because they were having a pretty good match without it, and Karina, man, he's bleeding every single month on pay-per-view. My goodness thank goodness he doesn't do that now he works at WWE but in a little bit less violent role and now he how did how Carino bled during uh, how Carino got busted open was uh when he used the guardrail for a tornado DDT so he jumped off the guardrail and then hit Carino with the DDT on the floor and that's what busted Carino up and Still, entertaining match. It just could have done a little bit without the interference. Uh, Joey Styles is keeping score. He's got ECW up one to nothing on the, the network. Then they show the final moments of the match between Rhino and Sandman from Hardcore Heaven a month earlier. And then Sandman and his wife are shown backstage, and Sandman's talking about how he feels. And then Rhino jumps him backstage with a kendo stick. Rhino tries to shove Sandman's wife head. Wife's head in a toilet. This is very, very dark, dark, dark stuff. I was not a fan of this at all. And Sandman then saves, saves her and security has to show up and break things up. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of this. I understand a personal feud, but this was, I felt like it went a little too far there, but whatever. New Jack shows up and apparently he has a broken leg. He shows up on crutches and he's slowly making his way to the ring. The Baldies then attack New Jack from behind and beat him down. Angel staples New Jack a couple of times, and then we get a match when Chris Chetty, Chris Chetty, and Nova show up and they take on the Baldies and tag team action. I had no idea that. Well, I didn't have. I had an idea because I read the results beforehand, but it was like that is like a new Jack style thing where you don't hear the ring bell. And I don't think I ever heard a ring bell. This match goes about five minutes and Don, this is when Don Marie joins commentary. She doesn't say a lot throughout the night They're on commentary. And when they do cut to Don Marie during the show, Don Marie and uh, Don Callis, Don Callis is being his, uh, being a perv pretty much. And Don Marie's playing dumb during this, uh, Styles doesn't buy it, but back to the match. Um, I said apparently this is a match. And then Nova and DeVito, they trade punches. Double flapjack on Nova by the Baldies. Never heard a bell ring. I said that. Uh, Jabs by DeVito and then a dropkick by DeVito. Nova then hits a modified belly-to-belly. Angel and Chetty are tagged in. Chetty tag, taking out Angel and DeVito with kicks. And then Nova with flash. Cosplay gear on actually. I, that's one thing I noted. Uh, Nova had flash cosplay gear. They were trying to figure out what the heck it was. Uh, Nova then misses with the Swanton. DeVito hits an Uranagi on Chetty. DeVito heads up top, misses the Moonsault. Nova with a Pile Driver. And then DeVito twice. Actually, Nova hits a Pile Driver twice on DeVito. And then hits a sit-out power bomb on what would have been the third pile driver attempt. I liked that spot. That was pretty cool, actually. Nova hit two two pile drivers in a row, and then does a spin-out power bomb. Angel then clotheslines Nova. Angel misses in the corner. Chetty hits a fireman's carry driver, and then Ch- Chetty and Nova hit a top rope splash leg drop combo on Angel to finish things off at four minutes and thirty-nine seconds. I, I think this didn't overstay its welcome, but. I didn't know how it fit really into this show. I'm just not a big fan of these kind of matches where I never hear a bell signaling the start. I'm going to give it a C. It was fine for what it was. It didn't overstay its welcome. It's just kind of weird they had this on pay-per-view that's under five minutes, just like the opener. Then we get Tommy Dreamer talking about the jobs he's had to just make ends meet. he's lost all of his friends by joining the wrestling business, business that takes and takes and takes. And then he wouldn't change a damn thing. Credible and Francine have denied him of that payoff. He had he won the ECW championship, but lost it 18 minutes later. He didn't even get to wear it around his right his waist. And he's tired of people like Justin Credible. He wants to do things that want to do the things, do things the easy way. And Dreamer likes doing things the hard way. he's banging his head against his locker, talking about the things he's sick and tired of. Dreamer's bleeding now, and he'll give his blood and flesh because he will have his big payoff your mind, headbutt, body, headbutt, and spirit will be just like, I don't know what he said at the end of it, but the last word he said was broken. It was a good promo from Tommy. That was a hell of a promo from Tommy there. Very heartfelt and very, you felt it, and it was, it was uh, I don't know if it was dark, but he was, he put some dang passion into that that promo. After that, we get a four-way dance. It's Psychosis versus Little Guido versus Yoshihiro Tajiri versus Mikey Whipwreck. Whipwreck was actually not supposed to be in the match. I guess he was a late addition. This is very chaotic. Eliminations happen fairly quickly within probably the first five, three or four minutes. Two eliminations happen. The first elimination happened after Psychosis at the leg drop, and Guido. Pulling him off, pulling Psychosis off the cover, and pinning Whip Wreck to eliminate him. The second elimination happened after a bridging German by Tajiri on Psychosis, and then they go for probably about four, three or four minutes, which felt like a while for this match. Uh, Guido and Tajiri. The finishing sequence is uh, Tajiri grabbing the chair. He slaps the chest of Guido, puts him in the Tree of Woe and then jabs him in the stomach with the chair, sets up the chair in front of his face, sliding dropkick into the chair by Tajiri, Tajiri charges with the chair, Guido gets his boot up, Guido hits a second rope Famouser, then Guido stands in the middle of the ring, Tajiri eventually re-enters it, chops by Guido in the corner, Irish whip by Tajiri, Tajiri goes for a float over, Guido catches him and drops him face first into the chair, unprettier then, by Guido is countered by Tajiri. They trade strikes. Green missed to Guido's eyes. Then Tajiri hits Guido with the Brain Buster on the chair to end it at 9 minutes and 17 seconds. This match had a very, very odd pace, it felt like. Like, the first two eliminations, they happened rather quickly. Then they had a little singles match uh, following that, but it felt like a long time. It felt like a long time. I don't know, with the pace of this match, it just felt kind of weird. And I don't know. I, I still enjoyed the match. And the portion with Tajiri and Guido felt like 10 minutes by itself. It just felt long for some reason to me. I don't know why, but it felt a little bit long. And I felt like it threw off the pacing of the match a little bit. I'm going to give this one a C C+. After that, we get Just Incredible with Francine and Justin Credible is talking about how the industry has tried to put a thumb on ECW, and tonight we take the gloves off and we introduce Barbed Wire to pay-per-view. If that's what he's gotta do to still be ECW champ, so be it. Then, we get Sandman versus Rhino for the ECW World Television Championship, and this feud was happening last month. It continued into this month, and there was a lot of guardrail spots in this match. Like, a lot. And I gotta say this, during this show, there was probably 3,000 times where someone got crotched on either the ropes or the guardrail, and then probably another 1,000 times where someone gets Irish whipped into the guardrail. Just, if you watch the show, Take note of that. Take note of how many Irish whips there are into the guardrail and then how many times someone gets crotched. Because I felt like it was a million times. I didn't keep tabs on it, keep count on it, but it was a lot. But this match was very reliant on the guardrail spots because the guardrail spot, guardrails, guardrail they brought into the ring was used for almost every single spot. Uh, Not every single spot, but 75% of the spots in this match involved a guardrail because Rhino got thrown into the guardrail, then Sandman put a guardrail in the ring, Rhino whipped him into a guardrail on the outside, Rhino Rhino hits him with a chair, then he sets up a guardrail in front of the ropes, whips Rhino into it, which was a nice little spot, Uh, slams Rhino's head into it, Sandman then sets Rhino up on the second rope, uh, humps Rhino's head and hits a Frankensteiner onto the guardrail, Bulldogs Rhino on the guardrail, Rhino kicks out, and then Rhino suplexes Sandman on the guardrail, Rhino stands up on the guardrail, Sandman scoops him up and slams him, puts the guardrail on top of Rhino and hits a Swanton Bomb, and then Rhino kicks out at two with the guardrail on top of him. Rhino had the guardrail on top of him, you guessed it. And then he whips Rhino into the guardrail, Carino and Jack Victory show up to ambush Sandman, and this was kind of the same story as last pay-per-view. Spike Dudley then comes out, and Kane's victory. Sandman and Spike 3D Carino, and apparently Rhino broke Spike's leg. Sandman sidestepped a gore, and then Spike ate it. And then Rhino piledrived Spike through a table ringside like he did to uh, Sandman's wife the month before. And then Sandman, Kane's Rhino on the head a couple of times which is a callback to the spot, early. callback to earlier in the match. uh, Sandman goes for the Russian leg sweep, Rhino counters, Rhino pile drives Sandman on the guardrail, and it's mercifully over at eight minutes and 39 seconds. I'm gonna give this a C plus. It was fine, it was physical, I still hate all this interference. They're way too re- they were way too reliant on guardrail spots, which the, I, I, uh, the, what, the guardrail spot was utterly meaningless during this match because they were kicking out practically anything and everything. And a normal match, probably anywhere else, one or two guardrail spots and it's over. But they were using it for 75% of the spots in this match, which meant absolutely nothing. It was like a headlock, pretty much, the guardrail was in this match. I'm still gonna give it a C+. Plus. it was violent as it should have been. Rhino then drinks a beer to celebrate post match and then we get the uh, longest match of the night We get RVD versus Scotty Anton Scotty Anton like I said earlier costed RVD his uh return victory against Jerry Lynn a month earlier turning on him ending their friendship and RVD dominates the early portions of this match and then Anton, he dominates the second third of it and then the last part of it, the last third of it. They go 19 minutes for this one. So they go quite a while and and uh here's probably the last couple of minutes of the match. So RVD goes for the drop kick off the second rope. Anton catches him and puts him in a Boston Crab. Alfonso then throws Anton a chair. Anton sets it down. Body scissor pin combo by RVD. RVD catches the boot, hits a step through spin kick, and then RVD whips Anton into the corner. Inverted atomic drop. RVD then skateboards the steel chair into Anton's face. RVD hits the split-legged moonsault after that, and then Alfonso tosses RVD the chair RVD tosses it back to Alfonso he lays it on Anton RVD hits a rolling thunder RVD then high fives Alfonso Anton though then hits RVD in the previously injured leg with the chair he puts in the sharpshooter Anton puts RVD onto the chair Anton drags Alfonso into the ring chokes him and puts him on puts him in the uh Sharpshooter again. RVD then tosses the chair to Anton and it hits him with the Van Daminator. It's a five-star frog splash and the fans want the Van Terminator. We do not know what the Van Terminator is. It's the debut of it and you know what it is? RVD hits the Van Terminator with Alfonso holding the chair in Anton's face. So it's a coast-to-coast. You've seen it before from RVD. It's a coast-to-coast with a chair held against the opponent's face and that was enough to end it and give Van Dam the win at 19 minutes and two seconds I thought this was a pretty enjoyable match throughout even though it went a little bit long I felt like they could have cut at least three or four minutes off of it but still it was the best match of the night at this point Anton got a lot of offense in in this one and we got to see the Van Terminator for the first time and I felt like at this point RVD was the MVP of ECW and they're last couple of years I don't know he's had a bunch yet just he built up I think of such a goodwill with fans putting on such great matches in ECW and I don't know he was hot here and best match of the night uh that middle stretch though where Anton dominated it took me out of it a little bit but they but the finish it brought me right back in still a b grade for that match and then we get a video package, uh, package hyping up the main event. It's Tommy Dreamer versus Just Incredible in a Stairway to Hell ladder match for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Tommy Dreamer has Jazz and Gorgeous, who is known as Gorgeous George in WCW. It's not Gorgeous, other Gorgeous George. It's a female version of Gorgeous George. She calls herself George here. Justin Credible is accompanied by Francine, and a barbed wire is hanging above the ring, so really it's anyone who gets the barbed wire at the top of the ladder will get the advantage, and George brings the ladder out for Tommy. Dreamer, like I said earlier, had the belt for only 18 minutes before losing it to Credible, and then Security had to control people ringside because, uh, and wrestlers also came out, Uh, To kick a couple people out of the building because apparently somebody or some people put hands on Francine. And they were not, she was not happy. And these fans ended up getting escorted out pronto. And Dreamer gets on the mic after that and says ECFNW. Which the crowd absolutely loved. And... The match following was all right. It wasn't that great, but it was still a decent main event. It was probably similar to what uh, it was probably the, I think it was the same grade I gave the uh, Lance Storm Just Incredible main event from the month before at ECW uh, Hardcore Heaven. It uh, it was a okay match. The build up to the barbed wire spot was not all that great because once they got to it, it was just like it was kind of like a fart. It le- like like it was they the Chase for it wasn't all that exciting, and once he got it, the crowd was just like, "eh, whatever." um George ends up turning on Tommy Dreamer during this match, and there's some brutal spots, including a sending a credible sending Dreamer headfirst into the ladder. Dreamer falling off a ladder at ringside—not ringside, but in the crowd. They were fighting in the crowd, and then Dreamer set up a ladder on a merch table. Credible knocked him off, which looked like a scary, scary spot. And I don't know. It was—it looked rough. It looked pretty dang rough. And Credible, George gets involved. Jazz and George are entering the ring because Francine got involved as uh, Tommy Dreamer was climbing the ladder. Uh, Francine low-blowed him, and Dreamer landed right on top of Francine. It did not look good, by the way. Uh, Jazz and George enter the ring, but swerve. George grabs Jazz's hair, slams her, then hugs Francine. Francine then goes for the Bronco Buster. Jazz gets her boot up. Jazz then slams George face-first into the mat and pounds on George for a second. Then she rips the top off of Francine, where Francine has tape over her, well, nipples, and uh, Credible then tombstones Jazz. That ends her involvement in this match. Dreamer hits the cutter named the Tommy Hawk. Incredible kicks out at two. This is a, this, I forgot to mention, this is first pinfall wins. Dreamer then climbs and grabs the barbed wire at the top of the ladder. Dreamer wraps the top rope with some of it. Dreamer sends Credible off the top rope. Crotch first into the barbed wire. Then Dreamer goes for a reverse CDT. Credible counters and tombstones Dreamer onto the barbed wire. Dreamer kicks out at two. Then an Irish whip counter by Dreamer. Mistakenly hits Credible with the kendo stick does Francine, and then Dreamer hits the DDT, Credible kicks out at 2 again, Dreamer goes for the second Tommy Hawk onto the barbed wire, but Credible counters and hits the Tombstone to retain at 14 minutes and 58 seconds, just under 15 minutes. It wasn't a great main event by any means, but the match was fine, I just thought there was way too much extra stuff involved with Francine, George, and Jazz. I just wish the match would have been focused less on the interference and more so on the actual match. I liked a lot of what they did here with the barbed wire, and I felt they could have done a little bit more to build up to the moment that Dreamer grabbed it. Like I said, it was like a fart in the wind when Dreamer grabbed the barbed wire, even though he was the face in this match. And it just felt like sort of anticlimactic when he did grab the barbed wire. Match was fine, though. Credible retains and this brings me to my overall grade for ECW, uh, Heat Wave, and I'm gonna give it a C plus. I thought their pay-per-view outing before that was a little bit better in Hardcore Heaven. This wasn't terrible by any means, but it wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. The thing with this pay-per-view was they were way too reliant on interference, which they were pretty reliant on interference during Hardcore heaven. I just thought the quality of the show was a little bit better. The best match of the night, in my opinion, was the RVD Anton match. Second best would have to go to the six-man earlier on. And uh, I thought both of those matches were pretty fun matches, pretty entertaining matches. Carino and Lynn was also enjoyable too. And the bad things about this show was the opener was terrible. It made no sense to start the show. Uh, that And also the problem was the match order of this show. I definitely wouldn't have started with the uh, match between Graziano and Balls Mahoney to start the show. Maybe the RVD-Anton match, because that would have got the crowd incredibly hot for the rest of the show. And once you go after RVD, it's kind of like, I think think once you do that, because it was RVD, then the main event, I think you put RVD on first, or you put them on last, but you don't. You got to put the World Heavyweight Championship on last. It would have made more sense to probably start out the show with RVD. Still, C plus grade for that show. Similar to the grade that I gave for the horror show at Extreme Rules. Both were not that great of shows. Definitely would recommend Hardcore Heaven over uh, Heat Wave. I hope you enjoyed the review portion of the show here is the where are they now portion of this episode for ecw heatwave 2000 so where are they now balls mahoney his last match before his death was in a flaming tables match december 6th 2015 versus sean emo Uh, he passed away due to a heart attack on april 12th 2016 a day after his 44th birthday. I couldn't find anything on Sal Graziano. There's not a lot on him. Uh, then we have Kid Cash. He still actively wrestles. He appeared on Impact Wrestling tapings on March 6th and 7th, both in losing efforts. A tag match, one of being a tag match where he tagged with Johnny Swinger against Manic and Suicide, and then a match against Moose. Roadkill. He wrestled for WWE actually for a couple years. His last match was with uh, last wrestling match was with Danny Doring against Guido and Bamelu in a wedding winning effort at the House of hardcore debut show back in 2012. Uh, Doring he's still active on the Indies most recently appearing in a tag team match on a wrestle Pro show back in February uh, February actually uh, Diamond he retired from in-ring competition in 2006 he worked as a road agent in TNA and a color commentator until he left Impact in 2017. He came out of retirement, actually, at one time in 2010 for TNA's Hardcore Justice 2010 pay-per-view. And then uh, C.W. Anderson, he he retired recently. He retired in June. His last match was a tag team match at an NWA power taping. Uh, Swinger, he works for Impact right now. Most recently, he had a match... Uh, it was a loss against Willie Mack for the X Division Championship. Actually, it was earlier this July. Uh Jerry Lynn, his last match was a four-way match in March on March 23rd, 2013, where he was victorious. Lynn currently works as a coach and producer for AEW All Elite Wrestling. Carino, his last match was against Cody Cody in Ring of Honor in December of 2016. Carino currently works for WWE as a producer and a trainer. Chetty, he wrestled until April 2013 where he teamed with Nova in a winning effort in his last match. Uh, Nova, he wrestles on the indies from time to time. Most recently appeared in a tag gauntlet at WrestlePro Does Funny Equal Money 2019. Angel, Medina still wrestles semi-regularly, semi-regularly on the indies. Tony DeVito still occasionally appears on the indies. He appeared in a hardcore battle royal at House of Hardcore's third show uh, in 2013. Tajiri, he currently wrestles in All Japan Pro Wrestling. Whipwreck, he retired from in-ring competition in 2015. Came out of retirement a couple of times. Once for a Spring Break Cluster Bleep match at Joey Janela Spring Break 2018 for Game Changer Wrestling, and then in a losing effort to against Amazing Red at House of Glory Extreme Warfare 2018. Lil Guido still wrestles actively. House of Hardcore impact crossover match was his last match and it was against joey ryan back in 2019 psychosis he appeared in mlw and in a triple a mlw crossover show back in march of this year rhino he's still working for impact sandman he last appeared on a juggalos championship wrestling show last august rvd works for impact. It's an interesting trend here. A lot of guys working for Impact now. Uh Dreamer, he currently works for Impact also as a wrestler, producer, and a member of the creative team. He's also the owner and promoter of House of Hardcore Wrestling. And he also appears as a co-host on a uh on serious XM Fight Nations Busted Open alongside Dave LaGreca. He's a rotate he's a part of a rotating uh Slate of guest hosts like uh, Bully Ray and Mark Henry. Those are the other two. Scotty Anton, he retired in 2009 after appearing for uh, TNA briefly. And then Justin Incredible appeared on a couple of shows in 2019. Both were battle royals, one for Wrestlecade and one for Blackcraft. Hope you also enjoyed that Where Are They Now portion of this uh, ECW Heatwave 2000 pay-per-view review coming up shortly after this pay-per-view review is posted will be my WCW Bash at the Beach 2000 pay-per-view review and it is controversial. It is controversial because this is the pay-per-view where Hulk Hogan defeated Jeff Jarrett, where Jeff Jarrett just lay down and Hogan pinned him and, uh, Hogan stormed off, leaving the WCW championship, and then uh, Booker T would win it from Jeff Jarrett later on in the night, and this is where Hogan pretty much disappeared from WCW afterwards. So this is going to be an interesting one to look back at. Also on the card for that pay-per-view is Goldberg versus Kevin Nash, Shane Douglas versus Buff Bagwell, Chris Canyon, versus Booker T and Big Vito versus Norman Norman Smiley and Ralphus. So look forward to giving that to you. So stay tuned. It'll be up shortly after this ECW heat wave pay-per-view review drops. So be ready for that here shortly. But until then, make sure to follow me on Facebook, Twitter at Sig Daddy Wrestle and on Instagram at SigDaddy.Wrestle. And if you haven't already, smash that that subscribe button on either Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you like the podcast, make sure to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, though, this is Sig Daddy signing off. Thanks for listening, and so long, everybody.